Hey everyone, this is Zach at FF Chalupa Batman. This is Beyond the Analyst interview series. We are part of Triple Play Fantasy, and this is a very special episode. So I have done 30 interviews this offseason, and we're done now. It's time for the the season to start, and everyone is busy now. We're getting you guys ready to help you win some fantasy football leagues. But I wanted to put together just a special show to end the season and basically just clip out a bunch of highlights from every episode, put it together for you guys to listen to and enjoy. So please make sure you all have subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. So much great content coming out. We even just recently started basketball content coming out. So we have you covered for any sport you're interested in, especially football as we get into football season. Make sure you are following the podcast channel. That is Strictly Football. We will have plenty of shows coming out every week, and I would hate for you guys to miss that. That is the best way to support the Triple Play Fantasy team. So I wanted to thank everyone that came on the show to be interviewed uh, as we got to know them a bit better. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to thank them all in order of their episode uh, appearance, and that will also be the order that you hear them on in the highlight portion of this show. So I would love to thank Heath Cummings, Pat Fitzmorris, Kira Wyatorowski, James Coe, Joe Pisapia, Tara Roberts, Jamie Eisenberg, Sam Holt, Jennifer Piacenti, Chris Robin, Ryan McDowell, Nick Script, Crystal Skewer, Troy King, Mike Stoyanov, Julia Papworth, Adam Murfitt, Ryan Weiss, Matthew Betts, Hutchinson Brown, Kevin Coleman, David Mendelson, Jim McCormick, Chris Allen, Dave Kluge, Alex Caruso, Bob Harris, Joey Wright, Nate Polvot, and Kendall Valenzuela. So thank you all for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to get to know all of you a little bit better. I really appreciate your time. And I hope everyone out there listening really enjoyed those interviews. Uh, there was a lot of funny moments. There was some really uh, serious moments as well. And I hope you guys enjoy these highlights. And like I said, we'll see you guys in 2023 in the offseason for a lot of more great interviews with your favorite fantasy analyst to go beyond the analyst. Do you pour cereal or milk first in the bowl? I don't understand how this is controversial at all. Um, I always pour cereal first in the bowl, and then I pour milk on top of the cereal. And I've never seen anyone do the opposite. I've never heard of anyone doing the opposite. Maybe on Twitter someone once said they did the opposite, but I don't really believe this. <laughs> so Cooter Doodle on, on Twitter uh, I don't know if you know her. Um, yes. So she's yeah, like, she she really got me with a zinger one one time. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember being embarrassed for the rest of the day because she uh, sent me to my room. <laughs> so she started this thing um, where I don't honestly I don't even know if it was her pretending with her her hilarious crazy videos, but I honestly believe that this is what she does. And then more people came out and said this is what they do as well. So it, it got a little crazy on Twitter for a little bit about this. Um, I'm on your side, by the way, but. I'm having understand. a hard time even envisioning this, but wouldn't it splash the milk out of the bowl when you poured the cereal into the milk? 
I don't, maybe you tip the bowl kind of like how you pour a beer with a tip glass. I don't know. Um, but there's definitely people out there that, that pour milk first and they're very loud and proud about it. Um, but I think the majority is on the cereal first. So uh, I, I'm, I'm on the right side on this one. I feel confident in my answer. I agree. Yeah. It's just the ones that disagree with you, they're just going to be louder. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> So the next one is a hot dog, a sandwich. Okay. So I, I want to clarify here because for the most part, my family eats gluten-free. And so we don't eat a lot of bread. We do still have hot dogs. We just eat the hot dog without any bread. And that is quite obviously not a sandwich. But if you put a hot dog in between a bun, then yes, it's a sandwich. It is a meat inside of bread. That is a sandwich. Fair enough. Should should toilet paper hang over or under the roll? It seems to me that it should, I've never really considered this one, but it seems like it should obviously go over the roll because if it goes under the roll and it gets pulled off a little bit early, then you have to reach under to try to find where the toilet paper starts. If it's over, then no matter where it is, you can see the end of the toilet paper and grab from there. So I think over is the clear and obvious right answer. I appreciate you walking through the mechanics of it because I couldn't describe it perfect more better myself than, than that just seems to be the most logical. Uh, so this one might honestly be the most controversial of all of them. Is pineapple an acceptable pizza topping? Not for me. Um, I don't want to, if somebody else likes to put pineapple on their pizza, I mean, I hear people say you shouldn't put fruit on pizza and that's obviously wrong because you don't have pizza without fruit because tomatoes fruit. So if you want to have a, a pineapple ham Hawaiian pizza, I have done that before. I don't really like it, but I it's fine for you. It's not okay for me though. Fair enough. So one of the toughest things for all of us in, in fantasy sports, whether you're you're a content creator or just just a fan playing, having fun, does your does the Packers come first or does the fantasy team come first? If there's a conflict of of which one's going to win. Oh, I've got like, you know, 15 or 16 fantasy teams, Zach. So it's it's Packers. I've only got one NFL team and a bunch of fantasy teams. So it's got to be, uh, you know, Packers above fantasy. Uh, that's fair. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so like I said, you're the number one ranker in, in 2020 uh, with Fantasy Pros. So, and you've been one of, I know you said you were 31 this year, but you've been one of the top rankers for several years. Um, so is it hard to kind of keep your, We'll call it fandom biases from skewing your ranks because, like I said, there's a lot of players from Wisconsin. There's a lot of top fantasy Green Bay players out there. So does that ever seek in at all with your ranking? No, I mean, like, if anything, I think it's an advantage when you have, like, that extra local knowledge of certain guys. And I would bet that a lot of the other rankers agree that they do better with the guys on the team that they're close to, that they follow, like, on a, a daily basis and and – you know, really kind of know the inner workings of like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor was, was kind of like that for me. I'd seen pretty much every college play that guy had ever, you know, every carry or reception he'd ever have in college. I'd pretty much been watching live. And and so like, I, I was above consensus on him pretty much the whole way and, and uh, you know, had him in a decent number of leagues this year and have him in a few dynasty leagues. So um, yeah, generally, like, I think it's probably a good thing to, to know that, but I tend not to overvalue guys. And it seems like on my own teams, I generally do not get my fair share of Packers, 
maybe it's because a lot of my home leagues are with Wisconsin guys, but um, yeah, like I, I don't overrate the Packer guys. No, that makes sense. And this is kind of off the cuff, so throwing you on the spot a little bit, but I guess is there a player, probably more so from Wisconsin, um, that I guess you really had high hopes for that maybe never really panned out as, as like Jonathan Taylor obviously is a success story, but is there anybody you can think of that you were excited to watch in college and they just never really made it in the pros? Oh man, a long line of Wisconsin running backs who were like that, Zach, um, you know, going back to Ron Dane, uh, you know, Monte Ball was another one who didn't pan out. And I kind of thought Monte's style might actually translate to the NFL. No, not at all. He was, he was a total bust. So, um, you know, those guys I think come first to mind, like some of the guys who were like truly great Wisconsin running backs. And it wasn't really until, um, you know, I don't know, Michael Bennett had a decent, if short NFL career, but it was really like Melvin Gordon who kind of got the ball rolling for the, the Wisconsin backs in the NFL, like Gordon and Taylor, sort of broke the ice because Wisconsin's always had like these good running backs, but it just never translated into the NFL for these guys. And then there's really no good way to segue into this. We were talking uh, off camera before. Yeah. So if you're okay with discussing it, yeah, go go into as much or as little detail as you want. But mm-hmm. um, do you want to talk about how sustaining a brain hemorrhage several years ago, how that impacted your life and then kind of how it impacted you in fantasy football? Yeah, so that that was pretty major. And I think it's the one thing that like almost next to nobody really knows about me unless you grew up around me or something like that. So people in the fantasy football community don't really know um, that like five, six years ago now, um, I was in a car accident and I sustained a brain hemorrhage. And from that, you know, I had to learn how to talk appropriately again. I used to talk with a slur, um, which gave me like immense social anxiety. I never wanted to talk to anybody because I would talk really slow and like careful. And like, it's a really weird thing, but I had to go through um, like almost like a speech therapy to do that again. Um, I had to learn how to walk appropriately up and down stairs again. Um, I actually have short-term memory loss, which greatly affects me when I do stuff with football. Um, Just because, you know, you asked me a question a second ago and I, I literally forgot it because something small distracted me and I can't pick back up and remember. So when I'm podcasting, when I'm doing all that, I have so many notes in front of me. I write down stuff that I want to remember all the time. Even when I'm watching a game, I'm sitting there in my iPhone. There's so many notes of just nothingness in there because I'm like, I need to remember this because I know if I don't write this down, I'm never remembering this. So it's actually kind of crazy that I could talk football like I do because real, realistically, you know, my brain works against me all the time. And uh, I, I feel like the rain man of football. I can sit here and tell you, you know, crazy statistics throughout the week of what happened during games. But if you asked me what I did this morning or like, <laughs> what'd you eat for lunch? Uh, it would take me a second to do that. So I don't know, maybe by the grace of God, like for some reason that just kept my football memory pretty good. Um, but it, it seems to stick for me in doing that, but it's definitely something hard to overcome. Um, I remember like when I was starting out, just, uh, starting to do my articles and everything like that. Um, I was super nervous to commit to doing fantasy football and to writing because I actually, when I had my brain hemorrhage, um, I also had a ton of problems with my vision. My eyes went really bad. They went from 2020 to I have a problem where they don't focus at the same time. So reading and writing and being on a computer is extremely strenuous. Uh, Sometimes my eyes hurt so bad that I can't even bear to look at lighting, like lights in a screen. So um, when I first started out, that's why I I thanked Club Fantasy so much for 
dealing with me, I would say, you know, they, they understood like when I'd be like, you know, I just worked the full shift at work. I don't know if I could get this article out in a timely manner. I feel really bad, but you know, my eyes are just jacked right now. There's no way that I could, I could look at a computer screen and I've gotten really good at it. Now I figured out like my own, um, schedule where I don't have those problems and things like that. But in the beginning, they really work with me in finding what worked for me. And they never got upset with me. They never got mad at me. They were always understanding like, hey, <laughs> we don't know anything about that. So if that's something that's hard for you, then then we get it. We're cool. We're going to help you through it. And by them doing that, it built my confidence that, hey, you can still do this. Like you just have to find, I've always had to find a different way to make things work. And it's always, it's always worked out. So um, as bad as as crazy as it sounds to be like, hey, this girl had a brain bleed. You know what I mean? Uh, it's terrible to, when I say it, but it really, you know, there's silver lining to to all of that happening. Um, I just found other ways to make things work. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that because, I mean, honestly, until we talked about it, I had I had no idea. You put yeah. out quality content. Uh, you do a great job. So. I mean, I don't think anybody would really know again unless you, you share it. Which, so I appreciate yeah. you sharing it on even on this uh, interview. When I was in Canton, I- uh, do you have at least like one piece of advice for anyone that is either thinking about creating content or maybe they just got started? Um, it's the same piece of advice I give everybody. You know, you got to just keep going. You got to keep making stuff, right? So it's like you want to be a writer, you got to write. Um, you want to be a podcaster, you got to keep making podcasts. You want to be a YouTuber, keep making video clips. Um, the great thing about today's world, and that's different than when I came up, is you have all the tools in the world to do that, right? Um, you want to start, a, you know, it's like you want to write, great, go put it on, go put it on a blog for free. You want to make video clips, go ahead, put it on YouTube for free. It costs you absolutely nothing other than time um, to create content. And I, and I always find it interesting, you know, because people always say, "Oh, I can do what you do. You're not doing anything special." I agree. You absolutely could do what I'm doing. So you have to ask yourself. Why aren't you doing it? Right? I don't think I'm any kind of special talent, right? Like for what I I think what I do that's different than everybody else is I just keep going. I just keep making stuff, right? And I don't care um I don't care if it gets views. I don't care if people like it. I just keep going. Um and I think that's the piece of advice that uh I would probably give people is if you really want to write in fantasy football and in that space don't wait for somebody to pay you to do it. Just keep doing it. Um, and what you're going to find, I know that sounds simple, but what you're going to find is that it's extremely difficult to keep coming up with these ideas uh, and extremely difficult to keep researching these ideas over and over and over again. For what? I mean, you get people to watch it or read about it for one week and then it's out the door. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that part of it, um, I would probably say is probably the most important is that you really just got to say, screw it and just keep making the content and just keep pushing it out. Um, and when you do that, you're going to get better a lot faster, um, and pretty quickly too, you know? So, and, and self-examination takes you a long way. Dude, listen, I do a lot of self analyzing and self critiquing, you know, like all these skits that come out, like I'm still examining it and like looking at all my on air appearances. Doesn't matter how big or small the podcast, I'll go back and I'll watch it and just try to pick apart little things that I could work on. 
uh, presentation wise. And I think that's really, really important. So a lot of people can't do that. I think a lot of people do not have that self-critical lens to kind of sort of come out of your own body and observe yourself without all this baggage of like, well, this is what I was thinking. Nobody gives a crap what you were thinking. The only thing people care about is what did you do? It is very results driven. What did you do? I don't care that you had a bad day and then you came into this appearance and you sucked. No, doesn't matter, right? It's just, can you objectively critique yourself and, and be able to get better? Um, and, and when I talk about getting better, man, like pick one thing and just get better at that. And then when you finally tackled that, you know, that little hurdle, go pick something else and try to get better at that. And then I tell you what, one step at a time, man, like all of a sudden, six months later, a year later, you're like, holy hell, I'm a hell of a lot better than I was before, you know? Um, so yeah, that would be my thing, man. Just keep creating content and then, you know, use that self-critiquing mode uh, to try to improve. Yeah. I was a stage combat instructor for 10 plus years. Um, that was the other thing too, that, you know, I first went to college, it was a conservatory school, uh, that I went to in Philadelphia called U arts. And they had a, um, a huge stage combat program, which I loved. Cause as a kid, I grew up with star Wars and all these, you know, he man, all this stuff. I had swords all the time. <laughs> that was always my thing. Lightsaber swords, whatever it was, that was my deal. And that was kind of like the crossover athletics and acting too, because it was very competitive. It was very physical. Um, it takes incredible endurance and strength and you're fighting with all these different weapons. So this was like heaven. And we had one of the biggest programs in the whole country, uh, in that school. And it was just something I loved and I did all through college and I took it very seriously, took all the tests. So got certified in all eight weapons, you know, rapier and dagger, long sword, sword and shield, hand to hand knife, the whole thing, quarter staff, spear. So I've done it all. And, then as I got older, you know, I actually went to an acting studio in New York and then they asked me to come back and teach because they knew that I had that background and they were creating a bigger program there and started a program from scratch and it built up. And over the 10 years, I was a stay at home dad, took care of the kids, worked on the weekends, wrote the books, then did podcasts and eventually got the job at Sirius where I worked for free for a couple of years <laughs> just to get experience, but they put me on air. So I took it. Um, and it's funny because like that was that was the thing it was like those were my part-time jobs it was the fantasy world and then teaching you know stage combat and training actors which is funny because when someone asks you what you did for a living i wouldn't know which thing is more believable or unbelievable <laughs> to tell them it's like what do you do for a living well I, I write fantasy books for for football and baseball and and then i i teach sword fighting i mean it all sounds like i'm making it up it sounds you know Professional eight-year-old is what my friend Kurt used to call me. So I'm pretty good with that. I'll, I'll, I'll go down to <laughs> with that one. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, it's in, and at a certain point you get a little older and you're like, okay, do I want to do this forever? And 10 years was good enough. And I had a great time doing it. And then I really just kind of started to, it felt like the pole was really going in this direction towards the fantasy industry for me. And, you know, and the kids were getting older and stuff. And I felt like this was a good opportunity for me to really go into it now. And the commute to New York was killing me. No one's a commute, nobody. So I'm just excited that it all kind of, you know, so far has worked out, knock on wood. That's awesome. And you said there was eight weapons you trained in. Did you have mm -hmm. a favorite that you either taught? Or yes. Uh, rapier and dagger is my favorite with the two swords. So you have the longer sword which has that very fancy hilt around it, uh, which you'll see more in like the um, more like the Renaissance kind of period, things like that. Um, and then the short dagger. And what's so great about that, it's, you know, you're going, it takes a lot of mastery to do that because you're going back and forth you're fighting on the right side and the left side, the two different times, they're two different size weapons, two different weights. And there's so many incredible, 
you know, pieces of choreography you can do because when you have multiple weapons, it's a beautiful thing. And, and the art of violence is a, is an incredible thing. And it's something that has really taken off in the industry, I would say in the last 15 years, you know, I think from maybe from like Lord of the Rings in the early 2000s, I feel like from there, it kind of propelled things a little bit. And then you got your Game of Thrones. And, you know, if you watch Last Kingdom, some of the sword and shield fighting there is spectacular. Um, you know, you got the John Wick movies. Uh, one of my students actually was in the second one, uh, that I trained. So it's, it's a cool thing to, you know, be a part of and then to see the evolution of, you know, the, the wicks and the atomic blondes and where for fight choreography is gone, especially in films. You know, went for the dopey matrix wire crap that you saw in like those movies to, hey, this is some really incredibly, uh, gifted performers here and incredible minds of choreography. So it's so cool to see that. And you see all these sword epics and you see all this stuff going on. It's great because it's a more interesting way to tell a story. You know, you're telling a story through a fight. So what motivated you to start creating fantasy football content to begin with? So it's actually, I have a pretty, probably a story that not very many people can say is how they got into fantasy football. And I think you might know it, but um, for everyone else that doesn't, um, I actually, um, so I was a consumer, but uh, of fantasy football content, um, longtime fantasy football player. But I didn't actually create any content. I wasn't even really on Twitter like at all before um, around this time last year. And the way that I got into it was a really <laughs> interesting story. I joined Clubhouse and um, randomly just got in um, a room with, you know, like 10, 20 or so people talking fantasy football in the offseason last year. And we were talking for a while and it happened to be Major's room. And there were, you know, a bunch of fantasy football people in there that I didn't know, um, contributors within the industry. And that um, after weeks of casual conversation, one day, uh, Matt just randomly asked me, hey, you know, would you be interested in joining the Dynasty Vipers? And I'm like, huh, okay. I've never thought about um, creating fantasy football content. Um, I've, you know don't know a whole lot about, you know, the Twitter community or any of that. So um, I, you know, got on, took a look around, looked at the Vipers content, and I, I loved it. So I was like, hey, yeah, I want to join you guys. Um, so we started up uh, doing the Behind the Grind series with them. And after a while, I just kind of felt like I wanted to start making uh, my individual content and just kind of, you know, take a risk, put myself out there, uh, started doing um, 30 players in 30 days where I did a video. I wanted to kind of get out there pretty quickly. So I was like, okay, let me set myself a very aggressive, um, very, uh, you know, let it be known timeline of this is what I'm going to do and put out uh, 30 <laughs> individual videos of player profiles over the course of 30 days, which was kind of crazy, um, but fun <laughs> and uh, did that. It just kind of kicked off from there. Um yeah, I, I, it wasn't something that I really expected. Um, I actually do have a, a background in um, in broadcasting. That's what I went to school for and intended to do. And life went a completely different direction, nowhere near sports broadcasting. Um, so it's kind of cool to come about it in such a random way. So you all have a great camaraderie, a great chemistry on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. You guys have shared a lot of stories over the years. But is there like a favorite prank? Or like a funny moment that just like stands out to you over these last 15, 16 years? Oh, there's so many. You know, I, I think one thing that's um, been a little, you know, disappointing is, you know, we used to all be together, you know, and, and you can't really beat that. You know, I think that's a big reason why 
the fantasy footballers, for example, they have such a great show is they're all, they're all together in the same room. You know, you can't really replicate that over zoom, you know, as much as you try, um, you know, Adam Azer, our, our podcast host, you know, he moved to, uh, to New York, you know, for personal reasons and, you know, can't fault him for that, but that kind of changed the dynamic of our show a little bit. And then obviously, you know, what's happened with the pandemic has changed a little bit as well. Uh, but in the days where we were together, you know, even if it was just a couple of us, um, so, uh, Nando DeFino, who works for the athletic is, is one of the most brilliant, you know, um, producers, production, you know, uh, quality person, um, you could find, he's certainly a great fantasy analyst as well, but he would just throw a million ideas against the wall and just working with him was so much fun. And so, uh, we fed off of his energy. And so when Nando was working with us, um, I don't know how it actually came about, but, uh, we started to steal Adam's wallet and Adam, um, at the time had a Costanza wallet. And so, you know, it was, wasn't exactly hard to, it wasn't exactly easy to, uh, uh, hide from him. But, you know, in our, in our studio that we had in the office there, which was just really a makeshift conference room, um, you know, we had some bookshelves, whatever we would hide it, you know, somebody put it in their pocket, put it in a, in a, in a bag, but it was always part of, uh, you know, every two, three episodes or so, maybe every five, you know, but it would be a, a guessing game of where's Adam's wallet, you know, and, and our audience seemed to enjoy that. Uh, the other thing, which is more recent, which is with Heath Cummings, who replaced Nando, um, Adam and Heath uh, share a, a fantasy team uh, as one of our podcast leagues. You know, we have several podcast leagues that we have. Um, there's the the main one, quote unquote, main one, which is, you know, the one that we have our typical contest for. Um, but there's also different ones, you know, that, that we also have. And Adam and Heath uh, share a team in one of them. And so there was, uh, I guess it was a couple of seasons ago, Adam was was really high on Carson Wentz with the Eagles. I think it might have been the year he was coming off of his, uh, it might have been his MVP season or it might have been the year that he was coming back from from the ACL tear. But Adam was was a, was a Carson Wentz guy. And they were carrying two quarterbacks. And Keith and I were sitting in the room together. Adam was in New York. And um, they had they had Carson Wentz on the team. And so I said to Heath, who had commissioner access, um, why don't you just drop Carson Wentz? You'll pick him up right away. You know, you explain to the league after the fact that you'll, you know, what happened. But just drop Carson Wentz. Let him see the transaction and see what happens. Because they were arguing about why they're carrying – it's a 10-team league. Like, why are you carrying two quarterbacks? So I think they had maybe Russell Wilson at the time. So they drop, they drop Carson Wentz. Uh, Heath drops Carson Wentz while we're on the air. And he tells Adam. He's like, hey, I just dropped Carson Wentz. Adam goes, no, I don't believe you. He goes, sees the email. Email pops up. And he's like, he just goes on this rant, calls him an idiot moron. And so it just idiot moron just caught on. And we just, you know, kept using it as a drop, you know, idiot moron, idiot moron. And so it just became a running gag all season long that, you know, Adam didn't really understand, <laughs> realize that it was a joke. So we, you know, a lot of our jokes typically come at Adam's expense. He's such a great, um, uh, I don't want to say punching bag, but he plays that role very well. And, uh, you know, we sort of have, you know, taken that and, and run with it. And so, it's, it's like you said, we have a great camaraderie. We're all friends. It doesn't always come across that way. You know, it's like a brother, you know, relationship. Anytime, you know, you're with these people, uh, you know, all the time, you know, co coworkers, family, you know how it gets. Um, you know, sometimes you get on each other's nerves. Uh, but, you know, between Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, myself, Adam, uh, Chris Towers now a part of it, um, Ben Schrager, Dan Schneier, you know, it's, it's, just a, it's just a fun group, you know, and hopefully uh, we, we convey that as much as we can and, and, you know, comes across in our analysis as well. Is it pronounced GIF or JIF? It is pronounced GIF, and that's because it's an acronym. And the first word in that acronym is graphics, which you say G, so I say GIF. And I know other people say that it's JIF, but in my opinion, they're wrong. <laughs> well, seeing as you're the graphic designer, uh, I'm going to have to go with you on that one if, if you're the expert as graphics. So we're going <laughs> with GIF. <laughs> Next one, is cereal a type of soup? 
Okay, I saw this one in your show notes, and this is the one that's going to keep me up at night because I'm going to make a decision, and then I'm going to change my mind on it later. But I've never heard this question before. Is cereal a soup? Because my first thought is, well, gazpacho is technically considered a soup, and that's a cold soup. So by extension, can cereal be a soup? Yeah, I think it can be because there's a lot of cream-based soups, and why wouldn't cereal be a soup? I don't know. But that that's one that's going to keep me up at night. I'm going to wake up at like two in the morning and be like, it isn't a soup. No, it is. <laughs> but I think I think you could tell. I think you could qualify it as a soup. I like this question. <laughs> I, I like that take. Uh, I honestly, I, to me, I don't see it as a soup. I just cereal, cereal. But your logic makes sense. So I can see where you're coming from. Uh, and I would not say it's a stretch. Uh, but I am curious to see as people watch this and listen to it how they feel about it. So go ahead and comment on the show, tweet at me once this comes out, but I, I'd love to see what people think. Is it a soup? Uh, yeah, at me. How we feel about cereal. Let me know how you <laughs> feel about my crazy hot take that cereal is a soup. <laughs> or is it a cold take? But either way, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a big Steelers fan. Um, do you have a favorite player that's ever played for the Steelers? Like, who is that? Um, I think it has to be kind of a kind of a tie amongst players. Heinz Ward is probably one of my favorite wide receivers of old. Um, Also love Troy Polamalu. He just brings a different level to the game when he was on the field. He could just turn it on and turn it off and he'd be smiling and laughing, even with the opponent, just like laughing and having a great time. And as soon as, as soon as the play starts to get called, it just, it turns and he just turns into this other guy that just is the opposite of this smiling, fun, entertaining friend of yours he's a beast that's just ready to take your head off and change a play and dynamic defensive presence um i think the other one that i like a lot probably gonna harken back to my weightlifting and all of my training days that i would watch his instagram as well and be like man if only i could have a day like this would have to be james harrison like just another level of beast mode that I think goes underappreciated. Just the beast that this man was built. I mean, any weekend that he had a sack or even just a fun looking tackle, he got tested that Monday and was posting about it. He's like, yeah, I know I had a good game, got tested again, but he's just a built different kind of guy. Have you seen his training videos? They're insane. Oh, they're crazy. As soon as you said weightlifting, I knew you were going to say James Harrison because I I've seen too many of his videos. And even now, like at his age, he's crushing it. Yeah, he was playing volleyball with like one of those med balls, medicine balls that you throw. And he was kind of doing that over a net with some other guys. And I'm just knowing what it takes to move one of those any distance, let alone just doing what he was doing with it. I was just like, this guy just built different. Anybody else, like I would immediately get a hernia, like something would split. My body would pop. My spine would go like just so much respect for um, the conditioning that he went in year in and year out to stay amazing at what he was going to be doing that year. It's uh, a great answer. Yeah, he's just built different. And so now if you could time travel, would you travel to the past or travel to the future? <sighs> this is a really good one too, because instinctively I kind of wish I could travel to the past because then I could visit, you know, lost relatives that I don't get, I did, never got to meet or, um, go and get to see what my parents were like when they were growing up. That would be really fun. But I also kind of feel like it would be fun to just jump a quick five, 10 years in the future just to get a sneak peek. 
you know, if nothing else to kind of get for dynasty purposes to just jump ahead and see who's going to be the real big deal that I can get a jump on in drafts. Um, that's probably the silly answer, but no, I think maybe I would, maybe I would travel to the past and I'd want to visit my family and kind of look in on what their lives were like back then. That's great. Yeah. And I know we're creating so many time paradox doesn't work. I, I understand all that, but this, this is, we're just having fun. So I like the answer. Um, and <laughs> just don't mess with the past. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, when you talk about the time space continuum, I don't want to go into a scenario where there's a variant Sam running around <laughs> messing up things. <laughs> you could not have set me up any better talking about variants. Uh, so you love both Star Wars and Marvel. I do. So which one has the better content universe? And I, you can take that however you want. Oof, this is such a good question because my heart says my favorite universe is Star Wars. But when it comes to content and I think the development that I'm seeing in the space, I think Marvel has to win this one. I mean, just this past year with WandaVision and Loki and Winter Soldier um, and the Falcon, that triple threat of amazing miniseries that came out after a time when, you know, they kind of wrapped up what we thought you know, the universe was going to look like for Marvel. It came to an end. And I think all of us were thinking, oh, it's over. And then it was like, it's, it's not over. There's so much more. And all this other stuff is exploding all over the place. We've got more movies. I still haven't seen Spider-Man yet. So don't, no spoilers, please. I've been very busy. I'm very upset that I haven't seen it. But there's a whole mega universe that's out there that we get to explore now with these characters and a fresh look and I just feel like Marvel's doing such a good job. I know that Star Wars has Mandalorian and, you know, the book of Boba Fett and all that fun stuff, but Marvel's just like back to back to back of like bangers every single time. <laughs> and I did have one curveball question because uh, so your, your brother changed his name, one of your brothers, to ah. Danger, which I think is awesome and also okay. hilarious, but awesome that legally he changed his name. So if you could change your name, even if it's just for a day, have you ever thought about what your name would be? I have never thought about what my name would be. Um, but I would say um, I like my name, Jennifer. I've, this is terrible. I had to really learn to love my last name. I hated it growing up because no one could say it right. People make fun of me. And the initial is P and that's just like ugly. Like it's not a cool letter. And my middle name's not very cool. So I don't know. I think I might, I would definitely change my last name. Um, I, I wouldn't, I would want to be very careful with changing my name because I wouldn't want to sound like a porn star, right? So you can't go with anything like star or something like that. So I don't know. I think maybe if I were going to change it, it would be something like Veronica. So it sounds sophisticated. Definitely wouldn't be Fox. <laughs> yes, my brother's name is Fox Danger. He legally changed it. That's so my brother got married. And so now she's Mrs. Fox Danger, Mrs. Fox Danger, Piacenti. Uh, there's a TV show in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there totally is. And you know what? He's a darling. But um, it's still hard for me to call him Fox. My mom refuses to do it. She won't do it. She's like, his name's Jonathan. His name is Jonathan. <laughs> That's the name we gave him. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, it must be so much fun with, with, with Fox and, and then your dad's pizza. And uh, I can't, I can't imagine all the, the holidays. It's a good time in my house. Like um, it, I have, cause like I said, I have four brothers and their spouses. So now it's become a very big Italian family. We have the pizza at the house. We have the pool in the backyard. We have a game room. 
a pool table. We have a whole like arcade games. My dad basically built the house for grandkids and he has one, <laughs> but that's okay. Sorry, you, dad. So you need a reality TV show and then that'll help you springboard into uh, dancing with the stars. So that's exactly. The totally. Good call. And you mentioned therapy earlier on as we were talking. So I kind of wanted to, to travel down that path. So it feels like there's been a lot more support recently for therapy as a way to help cope with mental health challenges. However, there still seems to be a stigma for many around therapy. Personally, I thought there was a stigma around it until I went myself. So how do you think we can continue to erode that stigma? Around it's therapy? it's pretty simple. Keep talking about it. Keep sharing it. That's the whole thing right here, right? You know, we're talking years ago when our parents were our age, when our parents were kids. I mean, heck, my 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 late father, uh, he passed away in his very early fifties, and we're talking born and raised in the sixties and the seventies, and that was that whole, uh, you know, rub some dirt on it, be a man. You don't have to share your feelings. You're not supposed to cry. I mean, that's how that old generation was, and as the time has gone by, we're kind of I I don't want to say breaking. The the cycle, but I'm just saying, we, we as long as you talk about it openly and honestly, with, within reason, right? Then, then everything should in a perfect world, Zach. If the more we talk about it and say, look, you know what? I'm not a perfect human being. I do this, I do that. I'm married, I have kids, I'm a doctor, I'm an astronaut. It doesn't matter to me. But I have a little bit. Uh, I have down moments in my life. I'm I'm bummed out about X, Y, and Z, and I share it to to, to my wife, or I share it to a trained professional, or heck, I go to a support group meeting, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, there are a, a tons of different support groups. And j again, just getting it out in the open and not keeping it inside. I had an old sponsor of mine. He, he passed away recently. He told me, you know, secrets make you sick. And, and the more you think about it, that's not, that's nothing profound. I didn't just make that up, but it's true. And, and you, you, you hang on to things and you go, oh my God, that's right. Because all this time I, I got all these secrets and I, I robbed this guy to pay this guy. And then I went back like all the nonsense and lies and bad deeds you did, you keep it in and you're going to repeat those same things because you haven't had an outlet to kind of, you know, vomit it out in a way, for lack of a better term, and just share it with folks and get it out. So the more we keep talking about it and the more times you see a broadcast, you know, anybody talking about mental health, you know, and shout out to uh, Mike Huff and Anthony, they go, they do the Hunter, uh, what, what the heck is his name? Hayden Hurst, you know, Potathon, where they talk about mental health. It's an outstanding kind of get together where people from all over talk and they get stuff out and they bring it to the forefront. Because if you don't talk about something, let's say it kind of gets swept under the rug. Or if you don't say, yeah, I, I, I'm having a tough time right now. Nobody's going to know uh, th that you're that you're down and out or that you're harmed, you're harming yourself, things like that here. So the more we talk about it and share with it, the more people can see. And again, if you ever go fishing, right, if you put a hundred hooks in the water, you're going to catch more fish than if you put one hook in the water. So getting it out in the open and, 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 you know, sharing it with the universe. I know that sounds corny, but sharing it out loud, maybe one person would reach out and go, Hey, yeah, I, I'm the same way. Let's let's talk, let's exchange phone numbers. So to get rid of the stigma, we got to keep sharing it. Cause let's be honest here, mental health and, and addiction and alcoholism, this stuff is, isn't going away anytime soon, if ever here. So we need to adapt and make better decisions with, with how we can, you know, better suit our lives with with what we're doing here your family and you love disney uh you try to go there for vacation every year uh, i actually got to meet you last year when you came yep. down uh, to disney uh can you share maybe one of your favorite memories from any of those vacations 
Yeah, we we've definitely become a Disney family uh, as much as you can in Kentucky. We we get down at least once a year. Um, my wife usually makes it more than that, uh, and, and obviously, you know, the kids love it, of course. So uh, I'm usually just kind of along for the ride and and at at their uh, at their call when it comes to where we're going or what we're doing next or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton of memories. I, I had never been to Disney until I met my wife. And, and when we were dating, we went. I, I mean, of course, the first time I ever went to Disney World is, is a big memory. You know, you see it on TV or commercials or whatever. But, uh, you know, walking walking through those gates and seeing the castle and seeing all the people and everything was was pretty cool, you know, even though I was an adult at that point. Um, we honeymooned in Disney and, and did a Disney cruise. We um, and we've taken our kids, you know, way too many times. So, I mean, the memories with the kids have have overtaken the, those previous memories, of course. Um, yeah, really, really just kind of seeing my kids grow up in Disney almost, you know, again, we only go once or twice a year, but um, thinking about taking my oldest for the first time when he was not even a year old. And now he's, uh, he, he's nearly 15 and has been, uh, you know, almost 20 times probably um, just kind of thinking about them growing up in Disney. Um, we we've gotten the chance to travel to Disney with, uh, with friends and and in fact with friends in the fantasy football in- industry we've we've been to Disney with Jeff Tiefertiller and his family uh, Jeff is a, a writer over at football guys we've been to Disney with uh, my DLF podcast co-host Dan Myler and his family that was just last year that was uh that was a blast for sure so um you know the the more people you can share those kind of memories with the better uh, that's fantastic and I don't really talk about it much on the podcast but I do work at Disney. So that's how we got to meet. And so I have a unique experience compared to since I'm a little spoiled by going as much as I do and also working there. Um, but no, I mean, I went as a kid too. So it's great to hear other people's experiences there and, and find out. That's why I had to wear my, my castaway shirt. Uh, I love it. Since we, we were on the pod today. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously you have a totally different perspective. You're, you're there every day and it being work versus coming once or twice a year is totally different. But, you know, when you're, uh, I mean, when you're there, if it's a, a week with your family every year or every um, couple of years or whatever it might be, like it really does feel like, um, you know, I mean, it, it almost feels like home when when you're able to, to go somewhat regularly. So, um, yeah, it's it's our it's our place, I guess. You mentioned uh, in the beginning with the P2W motto and where that came from that you played soccer. So you played Division II soccer in college, and now you're a high school varsity coach as well. So what was that experience like being a Division II athlete? I know a lot of people really can't say that. Yeah, yeah. It it, uh, it feels like it was a different lifetime, even though it wasn't like you know that that long ago. But I guess it, it was. But um, I had a pretty pretty good high school career. Uh, I, over at Plainfield South, um, won a lot of awards in high school. I played for a good club soccer team. Uh, ended up getting a soccer and academic scholarship to Lewis university, which is division two school, uh, not super far from where I live. And, uh, 
it was tough. You know, my, my freshman year of college, I had a skull fracture. So I literally had my skull broken uh, because of an elbow, had to have surgery. And I had a red shirt, which was tough because I never really had an injury where I missed an extended amount of time. So that was tough. But, you know, the uphill battle of like coming back, a lot of people from back home thought I was never going to play again. I did. And it was a great experience. It was almost like the military because this was like a super serious system, you know, two a day practices, grinding super hard at 6 a.m., like beating each other up on the soccer field and then going to class all day. Most of our conference was, uh, you know, all over the place. So we were actually in Missouri a lot. So a lot of eight hour trips Um, went to a sweet 16 uh, for the national tournament. We were a very competitive school. I played in all honesty. I played a lot, probably two out of the four years. And then the other two years, some sporadic time, just because it was very competitive, but uh, it was a great experience. I think I, I, I built a lot of my character was probably stemmed from that experience. I think who I am today, probably a lot of that comes from uh, my experience as a division two soccer player. And I was a two year captain there. It was a really good experience. After that, I went on to go coach college soccer for two years and then, you know, I've, I've had like 12 years of club soccer experience as well. So soccer is definitely in my roots and something that um, I've spent a lot of my life uh, invested in. And now, you know, I'm a high school varsity coach at the high school I went to, which has been awesome. Um, I live like three minutes away from there and I have a lot of passion just because I was a player there. And uh, it's it's been awesome. It's been awesome. It's really cool because a lot of people from my hometown here, um, will come out and support those games, even though I'm not the player anymore, you know? So uh huge soccer background. Got the, oh no, I got the, got the tattoo right there. I don't think a lot of people know that. I think they think, you know, I'm just like a football fan or, you know, maybe I played football or something back in the day. I was a soccer player, but yeah, that's my, that's my soccer uh, rant for, for, uh, for you there. What was it like to interview Patrick Willis? Cause oh. for those of you who don't know, like you got to interview Patrick Willis. Yeah. So well, I did. I can't imagine oh. what that was like. It was one of the craziest things in my entire life. So it's, you know how you watch these shows sometimes and like they talk about catfishes and and you think, okay, in my life, am I ever going to be catfish? And this was one of those situations that I'm like, there's no way it's him, right? Okay. Just to give you some backstory, I was attending broadcasting school at the time and it was right when the pandemic hit. So the school was in Toronto, my whole family and everything, everyone lives in Vancouver and around Vancouver. And so I was living in Toronto going to school. As soon as the pandemic happened, the school shut down um, and we were allowed to go basically back to our homes and everything. And like people, you know, they, they were like, we're going to just do classes um, from online. We're going to switch everything. And it was a broadcasting school. We had to physically sit there and be on an anchor desk and like do the read of the teleprompter and all this stuff. Right. So like we it was just weird. Like everything flipped in a second. So I decided to go back to Vancouver And we had one class that we were allowed to do while we were online because all the other classes you literally had to be in class for. And so this class was like a media and writing class, right? And one of the stories that our teacher said to us, he's like, look, I want you to try and interview a professional athlete for this story. You're writing a blog for this website, pretend, right? I'm like, great. I have my own blog. I can do this. This is awesome. But he kind of was like laughing, the, the professor. And he's like, try and get a professional athlete. He's like, you know, I don't think anybody's going to get an NFL player or an NBA or whatever. Right. And so in my head, I'm like, well, okay, bet. Like I'm sure I can get somebody. So the first person that came to mind was Patrick Willis. Like 
to me in that moment, I was just like, man, he's literally the reason that I'm in this school, that I'm going after the career. I'm going after that. You know, I love football the way that I do. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do some digging. I found his email and I emailed him. And I was like, I, the first sentence I think was something like, dear Mr. Willis. Like I called him Mr. Willis. Cause I'm like, that's more professional. <laughs> I'm like, dear Mr. Willis, you're the reason that I fell in love with football. Like that's how I started it. And then I went into this whole story about like, you know, how I went through something similar to what he went through in his childhood. And he inspired me to keep going in my life and blah, blah, blah. And like, it would be an honor to interview him even just over zoom for like 10 minutes. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't say it very long. I was like, I'm doing this school project where I'm just, I need to write about a professional athlete. You're the first person that came to mind. Like, what do you say? Right. Anyways, this deadline for this article or like the first draft of it is coming up and I'm like freaking out. hadn't heard anything back. And I'm just about to get on um, a zoom call with my teacher to talk about my progress so far on this, this uh, draft and everything. Right. And he was going to talk to see if we have any struggles of how we're going to start it and whatever. And literally right before I get on that meeting, I get an email, a little ping. And it was like two weeks later. Right. I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to message me. Like, no. And I look and it says an email on my phone from Patrick Willis. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it just said, like, all I could see on it was howdy with the little cowboy. And it was the cutest thing ever. And I open it up and he's like, of course, like, yes, when name, name the time and place. So I ended up interviewing him at my cabin. Like we have a family cabin that's just like in the woods in this beautiful place. And he decided that he wanted to do it on this weekend in May. Perfect. So I scheduled it to be at the cabin because I was freaking out. I'm like, there's like, this is crazy. This is the first NFL player like that I'll ever get to interview. This is crazy. Like, no, this is nuts. And it's my favorite one. Like, oh my God. And then I'm literally waiting there, just shaking, just have everything ready. And I'm good to go. My mic is set up, everything. And I'm shaking and I'm like, there's no way, there's no way, right? I sent him the Zoom link and a thought in my mind was like, it's not going to be him. It's going to be somebody messing with me. Like it's, you know, I just got punked. It's not Patrick Willis. Then all of a sudden on the screen, like he's in the waiting room for Zoom and I let him in and it's Patrick Willis and he's sitting in his RV. He's on a fishing trip in California and he had his little white fedora on and he just the biggest smile. And we talked for a whole hour and it was the best. I, I'm not even joking. It was like one of the most amazing hours of my entire life. And like I've seen, a, I've witnessed my nephew be born, like all these things. And like, that's like a top five you know, sports center top 10, it's like a top 10 moment of my life, like a hundred percent. So the interview itself, like we started off obviously with like the easy questions, whatever. And like, then I kind of touched on some of not his struggles, but my own struggles. Cause I didn't want to bring up his stuff. But at the time I remember somebody in my life was like a guy I went to high school with, who's a huge Atlanta Falcons fan. Like if he ever watches this, I hope he, he feels really bad, but <laughs> he basically like was trolling me all the time in the DMs. He sees the stuff I'm trying to do and like broadcasting. He's like, if you've never reported on football, you can't, you're never going to be a good reporter. Like you don't know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Like just basically saying like women can't report on sports. And like, for me, when people say something that I can't do it, I'm going to do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Not to prove them wrong or right but to prove myself right you know or not to prove them wrong but to prove myself right so that was more like my mentality and anyways I had this question for Willis that I was like look what what would you say if you had a daughter or even to somebody like myself what would you say if somebody told them that they couldn't accomplish a dream that they really want to accomplish right because that's what I was feeling at the moment 
And he told me this whole story, like the most beautiful answer possible. And then he's like, and all that to say, he's like, you are the hero of your journey. Like, that's it. You know, like at the end of the day, that's who you are. And in that moment, like it just, I started crying. I was like, this is, he's speaking to my soul. And it just changed my life. Like I quit out of broadcasting school because like the pandemic kind of messed everything up and it was scary. And I'm like, look, like I'm learning how to do all this stuff on my own. I just got Patrick Willis when all my professors were like, you're not going to get a real athlete, like ha, 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 laughing at me. And I was able to prove them wrong. And I'm like, no, I did it all on my own. Like, look at what I did. And Patrick Willis's words, like in that moment, it's everything that I needed. And it just, I feel like it changed every path that I was on to like get me to where I am today. So like, I owe so much of my life to that interview, a hundred percent. So I don't know how to answer. Like it was the best, one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> I Like I said, you're the tycoon of Thirsty Thursdays. So the, the people have to know, what is the genesis of Thirsty Thursdays? Oh boy, I love telling this story. So Linda Godfrey, y'all know as Lindellians on Twitter. So we've been friends for quite some time, right? Since I got into the space in 2020. So 2020 is when I got into the space. I started creating content in August of 2020. And so her and I connected. We were just texting one day and we were just talking about just a Thursday, right? Because, and when I hear the term thirsty, I think of, you know, wanting somebody, pursuing somebody, however you want to take it. And I know a lot of areas, Thursday, Thursday is like a drinking holiday. So I just decided to make a poll. This was in January. I think it was January 2021. I just put a poll up. All right. It's fully expecting to lose. But I was like, you know, when you think of Thursday, thir- when you think of the word Thirsty Thursday or word Thursday Thursday, what do you think of? And I think 82% of the poll said drinking. And there was like 18% that agreed with me. So then the thing about it is like no one was surprised that the poll was f- heavily favored to the drinking, but everyone wanted to know about the 18%. Like, what? Like, and then it was this whole thread of like comments of like what like who thinks it's that like why do you think of that and people just thought the concept was hilarious and that i just thought it would be ended you know i'll be done and then people just kept making jokes like oh my gosh you know sure really thought i meant thirsty like that i'm like you know what let me just run with it so every thursday ever since then i just make a post or you know i now i have this whole thing where i say you know guess what day it is and obviously everyone knows what day it is and then i'll do some crazy goofy photoshop and people will comment and have a good time it's just it's and again and it's i have adopted thursdays and i want people in the fancy space thing of thursday they think of me which is which is nice and and also like i like it too because again it's like not hump day everyone knows like friday so like thursdays is like the perfect day for me to kind of like take over and just be, be fun you know and something to look forward to right before the weekend no, I, I love the post every Thursday. I think I interact with all of them. It's a lot of fun. Oh, no, I love uh, it, man. I always appreciate it, too. Yeah, no, it's great. Anything that we can do to be more positive in the space uh, anywhere, like, man, why look, not? There's a lot of nonsense in the space, you know, but there's a lot of good that happens in the space, too. So I just try to be ignoring the nonsense to try to have fun, and that's really what it's all about. No, and I want to give you a chance, too, because I know you guys have some some Thirsty Thursday swag out there, so... What kind of stuff oh, yeah. do you have out there? Where can the people find it? Oh, sure. So Viridian Global, you can find some Thirsty Thursday swag at Viridian Global. There's T-shirts, you got sweaters, 
You can have water bottles. Water bottles are my favorite because it's Thursday, Thursday. But other T-shirts, long sleeve shirts, hoodies, all that kind of stuff. So you check it out at Viridian Global. If you just type in Thirsty Thursday, you'll be able to find all of it. And now, so you're an actor. You've been a writer. Would you say that any of those skills correlate at all to playing fantasy football or is it just completely separate? I mean, it's definitely a, a stretch, but I did. I mean, I did think about it when I saw the question. And I guess I guess you could say that like writing uh, in particular or comedy writing, there's it's actually there's a lot of science to it. There's a lot of like formulas and there's a lot of sort of like, you know, like t- tried and true tested like statistical data, if you will, that you can apply to comedy, like the rule of three, like jokes tend to happen in threes, like a joke, a joke. And then the topper is generally how it works. Uh, a joke on a joke is something like formulaic that you would, you shouldn't do if you've made a joke and you try and make a joke off of the joke, it doesn't really translate because most jokes need to be like, come from a serious place of, you know, and then that's where the funny happens. So like, there's just little things like that, that would sort of lend itself to be like, like the, 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 uh, analytics type guys, like that sort of thing. And then acting for me, while there are like, you know, strict method type people that are like, I only do this to, for me, it's always been like a, whatever works for you. You know, if you, whatever you do that makes you portray like realistically characters and people on screen or on the stage, you should do that. Don't worry about Meisner or, you know, any of the other Stanislavski, any of the other methods, just do what is working for you. Like, and I think that that's sort of, represents the sort of the like gut feeling type guys in terms of fantasy. And I feel like I personally am a, like a mix of both. Like I definitely respect stats and the analytics, although I do feel like the the analytics and stats are amazing at telling you what has happened. But what we're all trying to do is guess what's going to happen. And no one, no one has a crystal ball. Like the people you know who loves people that uh, that say like, "Oh, I've got a system. I've got this. I've got the stats. I can predict future outcomes." You know who loves people like that? Bookies. You know because they're they don't want to help you get rich. They want to help them get rich. So if you think you have a system based on the numbers, I mean, and again, I I will absolutely acknowledge that there's an advantage there. You know, definitely. And the more you know, the better off you'll be. But I mean, I believe in looking at that stuff, and then I try and think about like. What's the team? What's the team as a whole going to do? What about the eyes test on this guy? Like, what do I see when I watch this guy play football? Like, you know, uh, you know, that te- what what has he done as as a as a as a sort of a, a precursor to what he could or or may do? You know, like that's why I get stuck sometimes on guys who uh, and I know I've gotten right into fantasy and I know. This wasn't one of this before, but I get stuck. I have a blind spot for guys who haven't done something and then suddenly do like Cooper cup has been very good, but like I had no way was I thinking he was going to be anything other than what he has been sort of like top 12, you know, somewhere between wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 25. So like, you know, I didn't see that like, and kudos to all the guys that did, but like, that's my blind spot for sure is, uh, is guys that come out of nowhere and do something that no nothing in their history statistically has indicated that they were going to do or even capable of of doing. Anyway, so 
yeah, there's definitely some correlations between writing and acting and uh, and fantasy football. There you go. And my last one is food related again. Uh, I want to create more controversy. Do okay. you prefer creamy or crunchy peanut butter? Oh, this will create a lot of controversy. Get peanut butter away from me. It is the worst thing in the entire world. So this, no peanut butter is easy. Oh, it's so gross. I The smell of it makes me dry heave. Ugh. So even yeah. like a Reese's cup. Oh, God. No, it's that. No. Mm-mm. Nope. This no took a turn that I was not expecting, but yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Like my family is British and I, it's not peanut butter. Isn't like a massive thing in England. So I was never really given it as a child. And I do, I remember the first time I had like a peanut butter cookie and I was a fat kid. And I remember it was like, people had brought, you know, how you used to before COVID you would bring like treats to school, especially in like elementary school. It was your birthday and it was this kid's birthday and you brought like peanut butter cookies. And I was like cookies. And like, I ran over and I started eating one and I was like, Oh, Oh, what is this? And yeah, never been the same since. So I was not expecting that, but what a great way to end it with it. With a, <laughs> a plot twist. Anti-peanut butter. And my second thing that I hate the most are bananas. So if anyone has like a peanut butter and a banana sandwich, it's just, it's no, no bueno for me. Oh man. Before keto, like a peanut butter with some, some uh, banana slices and marshmallow fluff. Oh, <sighs> I wish, I wish I liked it because like being an athlete, like the protein and, you know, now they sell like the little packs of stuff and like, it's, that's easy. And like bananas are a super portable fruit and it's, I wish I liked it, but I just, I can't, I just, it's not for me. (laughs) So what inspired you to become a fantasy football content creator? That's a great question. Um, I don't really know. Um, No, you sound stupid, but um, for me, it was just about talking with my mate every week. Like that was the big thing. Like I just, me and my buddy would talk and we, we had like 20, 30 listeners and it wasn't really about anything. And then I just thought it'd be really cool to have like some guests on. So we started inviting like Marcus Grant on and he says, yes. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is cool. And then we just start getting people on and I was like, okay, this is cool. And then we started thinking, well, let's write a book. <laughs> all right. So we'll write a couple of books. Um, and you know, the playbook's coming out. This is the third one that we're writing. That's coming out in about a month's time. Um, it just spiraled. It was almost a bit by accident. It just started with just talking and talking about what we love and just an opportunity to get away. And, you know, my mate and I, uh, Stocks, who, who's, he does the college pod now, but we did the fantasy pod in the beginning. You know, we both have uh, a son about the same age, about nine months apart. So it was an opportunity to kind of just bond over that and have a beer. And um, he actually built his, um, he took his mum's garage and built a studio out, which is incredible. And we used to just go over, I used to go straight from work over to his, have a beer, have some dinner. And we used to just sit in the, sit in the office and sit in the studio for hours, record a couple of shows and just have, and that was the best time, man. I just, those early days, were just incredible because we might not have had the listeners we have now. We might not have had the exposure and the opportunities to do the things that we do now, but man, it was just so much fun to sit with your buddy with a beer and just, and just chat and uh, kind of miss those days a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Like nowadays I've moved away a little bit for family reasons and, um, and he's off doing, he's more into college football now than fantasy. And I do miss those days a little bit. It's not saying I don't enjoy what I do now uh, and all the content I've created and, you know, I've had some amazing opportunities to write for fantasy pros now who are just incredible. And uh, it it kills me that they pay me the right stuff. 
<laughs> I get every day. It's listen. It's not enough to retire on or quit my day job, but um, just to get paid to do something you love is just incredible. And the people I get to meet—that's the best. That's really the only reason I keep doing this. To be honest, as much as it's great to write content and put all this out, it's talking to people like you. It's just making these connections. It's doing shows like this. This is this is why I I create content. As someone comes back to me and says. I really enjoyed your content and then we can have a chat about it and then they share their opinions and I learn something from them. And, you know, people don't realize this. I learn more from other people than they probably what they learn from me. I almost feel like a fraud at times because I'm just like listening and just taking in all this information. And even if I don't agree with it, I'm trying to work out why they come to that route. And that's the best part. The fantasy football community is incredible, regardless of whether you create content, don't create content. And I saw a thread from someone today, actually on Twitter, they were saying that, you don't have to be a content creator to be good at fantasy football. And he's a hundred percent right when he says that, like we create content because we just love creating content. Like I create content. I've created thousands of pieces of content for free and never made a dime. It doesn't bother me. Um, I do it because I love it. But I do it to meet people. That's kind of the big thing, but that doesn't, the content doesn't make me any better at fantasy football. It just gives me a process to kind of just put stuff on paper and share that some of the best people I play with, have never ever written a piece of content or never done a podcast. Um, our, cha- our current champion, the champions winner, you know, he, uh, Martin, he, um, you know, he won the um, UK fantasy football league and he won the five at rush champion, the champions never written anything, never done a podcast. So you tell him he's no good at fantasy football. I mean, he does go about a handle lucky fantasy guy, but <laughs> he's a heck of a player. And there's a load more like that who, um, who are really good fantasy players who, who who don't create content. It doesn't doesn't hinder them from from doing anything. Maybe it's a bonus because they've got the time. If you were a wizard, what would your Patronus be? So my first problem with this question is, if I was a wizard? No. <laughs> um, so I will narrate for those who are not involved in Harry Potter land. A Patronus is a spell you can cast that kind of protects you from things. And it usually takes the shape of an animal that means something to you. So I have done the Harry Potter website where they tell you what your Patronus is. And mine is a Thestral, which if you don't follow Harry Potter, it's basically this like being that you can only see if you've witnessed death. So it's like really dark and makes me question what kind of person I am, but I'm going to go a different route with it. I I love dogs. I love cats, but I've never had like a special connection to any sort of animal. I I like pets except for one animal. So I'm going to take this into a whole nother nerdy area. I am not a Pokemon guy. However, I adore Psyduck. I think he's a complete psycho. I like, if you don't know Psyduck, he just gets headaches and then blast energy and just tears up everything around him. I used to joke with my siblings that I had a gold Psyduck card when they were little. My siblings are 10 years younger than me and adored Pokemon. So I've had this connection with Psyduck. So I would say that my Patronus would be Psyduck from Pokemon, which is super weird, but I'm a weird guy. So what a mashup of two different uh, franchises that we could have with Pokemon combining with Harry Potter. There you go. Um, that'd be an incredible show. It, it would be fantastic. And if you saw, um, what was it? Detective Pikachu, Psyduck was the one that was running around there that, like I said, it's just a complete ticking time bomb. And I just had a, it's like, he's such a weird little Pokemon. And I just had a thing for him when I used to watch the show with my siblings. So that's awesome. I would never would have guessed that Patronus in a million years. So I love it. There you go. <laughs> Which Deathly Hallow would you choose? So I loved this question because the Deathly Hallows are the thing. I, I obviously Deathly Hallows were introduced in book seven, but it was the thing of the Harry Potter story 
that completely captivated me. It is my favorite part of any of the Harry Potter universes, the story of the three brothers and the Deathly Hallows. So I already know my answer to this because it's actually life advice that I have given my little brother. And I also joke about this, that this is the worst advice you can give a little brother because you should be trying to lift them up. But I always said, you never want to be the best or the worst at something because people pay too much attention to you. Basically talking about like work and work ethic. If you can stay right in the middle, your bosses leave you alone. You get to do whatever you want to do. Nobody bothers you. So I would 100% choose the cloak because the story of the three brothers is the one brother takes the wand to show everybody he's the strongest and people kill him to get the wand. The other brother takes the, the stone, the resurrection stone to bring people back to life, basically to make a full out of death. And eventually it drives him crazy and he kills himself getting very dark with this show, but the third brother takes the invisibility cloak, hides from death, gets to live uh, to an old age and enjoy life and eventually welcomes death as a good friend. So I am all about the cloak and the third brother. That's a great answer. Not going to lie. I thought you were going to pick the cloak. And I mean, they kind of illustrated in Harry Potter itself in the series, but it's the best. Absolutely. So great. Which by the way, I have the Deathly Hallows that my wife made for me as a craft project right above my corner, my shoulder, or and it's also engraved in my wedding ring. The Deathly Hallows means a lot to me. So you and your wife are about to have twins. Some newborns are great sleepers, some are terrible. We can't get to pick them. (laughs) It just depends on what happens. So would you rather sleep for four uninterrupted hours for the night or get eight hours of sleep for the day, but in one hour increments? Oof! this so when i was looking at the show sheet for today i was this is the one that really made me kind of stop for a second because i'm someone who does not function well on little sleep so the idea of being able to get a full eight hours sounds incredible but if you're only getting an hour every time i feel like you're just always tired and there's kind of that fog of waking up after an hour of sleep so i think i'm going to go with option a where you get four hours uh and then you get woken up and then you get you know you get to kind of go on with your day but I'm not going to lie. I kind of went back and forth with this one and I'm interested to see what happens with our kids because like you said, you don't really get to choose. You just kind of adjust to whatever happens, especially with twins. You know, we can't do the whole like it's your turn kind of thing. Like it's it's going to be both of our turns all the time. Yeah, definitely a team effort. Uh, I have two young kids, so my oldest was a horrible sleeper. Um, So I would say I had a mixture of both of those scenarios, whereas my youngest was a great sleeper. So um, I didn't have to worry about that. But Honestly, uh, I don't even know what I would choose because I had a little of both and they both have their pros and cons. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. But yeah, sleep. <laughs> I'll sleep, sleep in like four years, man. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm going on five and a half and <laughs> I haven't had eight hours of sleep yet either, but it's all it's all good. It, it, it works great for those uh, those DFS uh, study sessions you can do in the middle of the night when you're doing a, a bottle feeding or, or whatever. You can just start plugging our in some research in the, in the middle of the night, you know, hundred <laughs> percent, man. I'll be, if anyone's uh, interested in best ball, I'll be on the underdog app probably at 3am this summer at some point, um, or multiple nights this, this summer. So yes, I plan to do that when I'm struggling to, uh, to get some, some sleep. Yeah, There's always advantages to, to those crazy hours. Um, uh, would you rather give advice to a random stranger about fantasy football or possible injury advice? Yeah, this one is is sort of tricky because I remember I'll never forget this. I remember my first day of PT school. You know, it was it was a very low key day. It's like intro stuff, and you know, everyone's just kind of getting to know each other. Um, but one of our professors made a joke. They're like, "Get ready to be asked every single question under the sun about injuries, whether you know it or you don't." 
And I'll never forget getting home like, I don't know, two weeks into it. And all the first the first summer of PT school, all you do is anatomy. So you're not actually learning about like how to treat injuries. You're just learning more about the human body. And I'm getting pictures from my sister who injured her knee running. She's just pointing to like her knee. She's like, it hurts here. What do I do? Um, my uncle sending like a picture of his shoulder and like, Hey, I heard it raking leaves. What do you think I should do? So you don't know anything at that point. So those are always a lot harder because so much of injury evaluation and advice is being able to actually evaluate what's happening to give good advice. Otherwise you're just giving advice that you could literally give someone to say, Hey, Google this. And that's probably what I could tell you. Like it's so hard to do. So, um, and along the same lines, actually, now that I'm talking through it, there's always a lot of follow-up questions over and over and over again about those injuries. So I think the easier of the two options here is the fantasy advice to a random stranger. Oh, so yeah, no, I, I can't imagine how many random questions you get about injuries. You're like, I, I can't tell from that picture. I don't I put the <laughs> yeah. mice on it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In the, uh, in the few weeks of full-time with the ballers, I think... If we include, you know, Kyle into that group, I think I've had three of the four uh, message me about something injury related or pain related going on. So that just gives you a little bit of an idea of, of what's going on there. <laughs> How many of those were pickleball related? Uh, I think two, two of those. All right. we, we talked about um, your age question. and and how you make me feel feel old, but that's okay. Which of these things are I older than you? All right, so we got the Nintendo Wii, the iPhone youtube or skype which one is older than you so for those out there who didn't you know do the math i was born in 2006 all right july 12 2006 so i'm going to rule out the iphone i'm pretty sure the iphone was created after me okay i'm pretty sure the iphone was created after me. i'm gonna rule that one out but i don't know if i'm looking stupid right now i'm just gonna rule that one out i think that was created in 2011 2010 not 100 sure on that one but i'm pretty sure about that the Wii. I remember getting the Wii and I remember my parents saying it was kind of brand new and I got it when I was like five or six. So I'm pretty sure the Wii is younger than me as well. So that's between YouTube and Skype. And I feel like I'm going to go Skype because I, my older relatives are always talking about using Skype and I feel like that's, I feel like that's just going to end up being the answer. So I'm going to go with Skype, but I'm not hundred percent confident. So it was a bit of a trick question. I was setting you up a little bit. So the iPhone came out in 2007. So that okay. you are older than the iPhone. And then everything else came out okay. before you were born. Oh, that's not fair. Yep. N- Nintendo Wii Dang, came, out, really? came out in 06. Yep. Wow. And then every, YouTube, I think it was 2005. And Skype was around 2005 as well. So. Wow. But yeah, All right. So. Well, at least I had Skype right. But I, <laughs> man, I thought the Wii. When was the Wii? Uh, 2006, I believe. Oh, so right on. Okay. Right on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The original Nintendo Wii, not, not the newer ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, the original one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. <laughs> Is I hot dog a sandwich? I feel, I feel attacked here. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> is All a right. hot dog a sandwich? Oh, this is funny. Um, I think I have the unpopular opinion here. So I'm just going to say, I mean, I think, I think it fits the definition. I think it is, but I understand the reasoning against it. Like you don't never call it a sandwich. Like that's, you don't say that. And it's, it's its own thing. I get it, but it literally, it fits a definition so perfectly that it's hard to not call it a sandwich technically. So I'm going to say, yes, it is, but I get both sides. 
Awesome. I, I asked that question just because of Club Fantasy FFL yeah, in always. our group chat. It, there's a lot of drama around that question. So there's I had always to, so much drama around that question. Had had to throw that one in there for you. So what is your favorite Eagles jersey color scheme? Oh, I like the the full black uniforms. The black pants, black shirt. I, I love I think that's the color rush, right? I believe I so, yeah. One of yeah, them, yeah. That, that's I think that's my favorite one. That one is clean. Awesome. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? If I could only choose one, it would probably be the ability to fly. I mean, I think the ability to fly, be able to just go, just fly up and just be above everything else, just see that. Like that, that's just that would just be incredible. I feel like that would be amazing. Um, Not, it's definitely gonna be a top yeah, top three, it, top five. Yeah, I think fly would choice. be it. Awesome. And now we got one more question to kind of. Is this a trick question? I'm not going to say whether it's a trick question or not. Okay. Um, But but which of these movies are older than you? So you have Pineapple Express, The Dark Knight, Twilight, Taken, or Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay. So I'm just going to tell everybody now, I am not a movie person. Like I don't keep up very well. I, I like movies, but I just don't keep up very well with, you know, who, which actors, like who's in it, what actor, like what movies are made. Like I have heard of two of these movies. I don't know the. I, I've heard of Dark Knight, which is unbelievable movie, and Twilight. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've watched it. The others, I have no idea what they are. And I'm I'm sorry if these are like really popular movies. <clears throat> sorry, I'm sorry if these are really like popular movies, but I don't know them. So I'm honestly taking crapshoot. I'm pretty sure that. Oh man, I I, I mean honestly, I have no idea. I have a feeling that the Dark Knight is younger than me. I think it was created after 2006, but I think it's actually really close. I think it was like 2007, 2008, but I have no idea. Twilight, I think he's younger than me, and the other four, I like, I don't know. So I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna take a guess and say, Pineapple Express is older than me, Taken's older than me, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall's older than me. All right, so it was. It was an unfair question because obviously you were too young to watch any of these movies when they came out, obviously. Um, yeah. This is more for the audience to make them feel feel older and try to guess yeah. um, when these movies came out. These actually are all younger than you. They all came out in 2008. So you're right on. With all the Knight, came out in 2008? All, every single one of these came out in 2008. Wow. So you were one or two years old, depending on when they came out that year. Okay. So, so, so I don't blame I'll, you for I'll not write... watching some PG-13 and rated R movies when you were two years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, listeners. I have not heard of any of these movies by Dark Knight and Twilight. Do you have one piece of advice for, for those people that are thinking about getting into content creation? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I get this question a lot. I get a lot of people that reach out and say, hey, do you have any advice? And, you know, I think there's two big things that I, I have found throughout my time. Like, um, one is, you know, don't care about, like, getting likes or people like bigger, like the bigger analysts out there that are kind of float around fantasy Twitter every once in a while, like to like your stuff. Like that's not who you should be writing for or who content creation for or who it should be is just the average person who's too busy to do any of the research you can do. And you want to hope that they reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, I need help. Can you help me? And, and honestly, like that's where I've gotten now. I get too many messages. It's hard for me to respond to everybody now. But before I was 
wasn't like that. And I, and I also um, just pick something you're passionate about and do it. Like if you're really good at writing, go ahead and do it. I see a lot of people that say writing is the old way and, you know, you don't need to writing writings out of vogue basically go to get on tiktok right or do these like other visual mediums and i and i think there's a there's a spot for everything um but if you're really good at writing go write like and, and just find that passion where you're at because you don't want to create content that you're not passionate about like if it's if you're asked to do like like i, I call it the cookie cutter like five dynasty buys everybody does that now, if you're passionate about that, great. Like, if you really are passionate about that, perfect. Um, but if you're not, it's hard to. You can read, and you you're you're a fantasy content creator. You know when you're reading something that doesn't have passion behind it. Like, you know when it's just like, oh, they got a deadline, they had to do this for our site, and they just wanted to kind of put it in there. So, always have like that passion behind what you what you create, but also like. <clears throat> um, also, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word for it. Make sure that you you understand like actionable content. Like I, I get a lot of people send me articles and I'll, and I'll read it and I'll say, okay, but what are you telling me to do? Because every consumer wants you to tell them what to do. But people are so afraid to tell people what to do because they don't want to be wrong that they just make these kind of like articles about, oh, you know, Kyler Murray is good at football. Well, great. What do I do with Kyler Murray? Like, what do you, should I trade him? What do you expect him? What is his projections? Like, you have to make yourself different. And if you don't make yourself different, then you're no better. I mean, anybody can be it. This, this is not like a hard thing to do like you could be a content creator but what do you what sets yourself apart so i think a lot of people get stuck at that kind of like they 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 get into the space and they are content creators but they never kind of get higher than that because they are they're afraid of that the actionable content which you're going to be wrong we're all going to be wrong in this space it's going to happen um but you have to back it up but i think that's that's the key create actionable content i think okay this is what you should do no, that's great advice. And I remember you you sharing that before. And I've been trying to focus more on that on the this offseason as well as uh just tell them what, what to do. And yeah. you gotta own it, process over results, but uh, hey, here's my research, here's here's my conclusion, here's what you should do. And and research should take a while, you know, like mm-hmm. um I you know, I, I write these things like I have a uh, Tua Tagovailoa, so I love Tua. Um, football guys has these player profile profiles going out, um, and so I, I'm uh, that one's coming out for me like the next week. I spent. I'm not lying when I say I spent like a week just researching like, okay, how do I want to build this thing? Like building your article is so important. How you set it up should take the longest. Like research should take long, but like how to like format it should be the longest. Like, okay, how am I going to get to this point, to this point, this point? This is like that teacher in me too. Like, okay, this is my thesis. This is my, hey, this is how I'm coming. This is where I'm coming from. What am I going to fill in here? And I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes when you think of how like an article is going to turn out, after you do the research, you have to scrap it. I, I've, there's been plenty of articles that I've just deleted because, oh, it didn't work out. It's not, I'm not going to make a square peg fit in a circle, right? Like you can't do that. Um, but like my two article that's coming out this week, I spent like a week on it and I'm still editing it up until the point it gets released. Like, and I go back. A lot of my articles, I go back, I reread it, I, I'll add stuff because you can as long as you have access. It depends on the site you work for, but Football Guys is really great. Like they say, hey, go in and change it if as you update it, so that way you're not, you know, there, there's concepts. If there's draft strategy, go back and change. And um, I think that's important. You got to be just go back and make sure you 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 work, but understand like it should take you a long time to write an article. It should not take you sitting down for an hour and writing because anybody can do that, right? So what can separate you? I think that's the key. Fitness is a big part of your life. 
So what motivates you to continue to push yourself in the fitness arena? I guess it's just like the competitive side of me in the sense of that I don't play any real, I mean, I play a lot of golf now, but uh, for the most part, just the like playing basketball, which I played all growing up and, and, you know, flag football and all that stuff. I don't do that as much anymore. So to have that competitive side, to be able to set my own personal goals. Uh, I'm not a big guy. I'm five foot seven. So it was something that like I felt was necessary to, especially as a high school teacher to, for people, for kids to give me a little bit more respect in that sense too. And it's just fun. Man. I, it's, it's something that like, like for fitness, there's no downside to it. It's like you can do more stuff with your future kids, live a longer life. Like I said, the competitive aspect. And uh, I've done, you know, two bodybuilding shows that were really fun to, to prep for. My mom did it. And uh, it's just something that like I enjoy pushing myself. And it makes something if I'm having a hard day, I can go and I can just take it out on the weight. So it's just something I found a lot of peace in and a lot of just kind of stress relief. So it's something that as long as my body holds up that I'm going to continue doing as long as I can. Oh, that's awesome. So I think you're now the, the second person in, uh, on this show to do a, a bodybuilder type competition. Who was uh, the Sam first? Holt, Sam Holt okay. was on. Uh, God, I don't remember the episode number. It was probably around, don't quote me, around episode eight or nine. I think I had her on. And uh, yeah, she did a, a bodybuilding competition just to challenge herself. And she said she loved it. She probably wouldn't do it again, just how much time it takes to, to put in on it. But I had no idea that you did any, any bodybuilder competition. So that's awesome. Yeah, I did too. And I would probably do another one. But uh, my wife is definitely, I mean, it's like a four, five, six month commitment. And you're not drinking. You're not, when you go out to eat, you're not getting food out. And like, it very limit it limits your social life to a, in a big way. So it's hard when like you're married. And if your wife doesn't do it too, like you're very much kind of, inhibiting the stuff you can do together so it's uh it's fun but it's definitely something you have to it, more often i think people do it when they're like single and younger than you know older and married and all that type of stuff yeah, it's a commitment and uh i know you guys interviewed austin eckler last year and i believe you you did more pull-ups than he did correct or, or yeah, he's, yeah yeah he talks like he's a he could do more pull-ups than me. And we, we put that to bed because I, I showed him, sent him a video, and he even acknowledged it too when I uh, DM'd it to him. But uh, I think that might be the only thing I can I can top him. I think he's got me beating every other lift. But the body the weight exercise. You can even do anything. That, that, that's all that counts. We don't, we don't worry about the rest of the tape. It's just the one. That's all you need. So you're a great recurring guest on the Harris Fantasy Football Podcast. You, you mentioned Chris Harris before. Um, so you guys have a running gag about the underscore in your Twitter handle. Yeah. So obviously you are the Baron of the underscore, uh, right? But is there an actual origin story to the underscore, or is this just a, a complete yeah. amazing gag? It's just a gag. Like it's off the t- like he just one day was making fun of me for having an underscore. So I tried to provide value to it and say like, well, there's a reason. Like you can't. It's not just an underscore, bro. Like I profit on. Like there's like it's inherent in my character that I need it. Like if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be making money. And really, what it is, there's just some guy Jimmy McCormick. Who tweeted once in like 2008 and said like "What up, Twitter world," and then never tweeted again. And I'm like, "Can you? Can I get that name, bro?" And like, you know, like Twitter used to say that they were gonna like free up names, and then it just never happened because I guess too many lawsuits. And long story short, I had to do the underscore, and Chris was just like kind of busting me about it one day, and I just made it. I empowered myself, and now he's the one who loves it because he keeps going off on it. But like, it just I just riff on it. Like none of it's obviously it's just all goofy, but uh. Yeah, no, Chris is just goofy, and he, he he's 
he's I like I like what he does too because to speak to like getting into fantasy, he like really leaned into who he is to make his brand. Like ESPN, he did really well there. He was at ESPN for a long time, but then like he gets to just do his film stuff and he doesn't have to satisfy other you know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to like try to do he like I'll bring up stats and he'll laugh at me. Like now I think I have I think it's it's right to discuss stats, right? Like it's not crazy to talk about like a terrible offensive line and yards per contact and stuff. And he's like, no. You know, he's like, that is a crutch argument and it's ridiculous. But at the same time, we need those different perspectives, right? Because otherwise we would all just be using dude, we'd all be using the same spreadsheet, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we'd all just be drafting the same players. So like Sometimes he's wrong, sometimes he's right, but I love that like he has a reason behind it. So yeah. you know. So but not to get on to Chris Harris, but I'm saying like we made that thing up, but there's something fun about being on a show with somebody who's willing to make fun of you. So like Yeah, no. And I love it. It's part of your, your walk up music for the show now, which is Yeah, great. no, he's a goofball. So But now I I don't know if you want to tell him this because I did a little research um on, on Barons, but apparently it's like the lowest level of nobility. Okay. Um, so Take that for what for what you want, but but that's but that's also kind of you know where I where I do my dirtiest work, like on the outer rings. You know what I mean? You, you, you that's where the side that deals are made. Yeah. That's where the side deals are made, bro. <laughs> Perfect. But I appreciate you sharing that story. Yeah, I I, I love that podcast, and I was yeah, he's hilarious. a good time, and he's that's what I'm saying. He's a community, or like I love the established the run guys. Like I love mm-hmm. how goofy they are. Like all the sh- you know just that's the thing about the fantasy football community. We're a bunch of goofballs. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a civilian employee for the Air Force, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So Top Gun is Navy, so I'm not going to get it twisted. It's one of my favorite movies, the original. The, yeah. the new one's good, too. But I just want to kind of plug that in a little bit since you're Air Force. Um, you don't get to choose your call sign. Um, oh, yeah. But if you could pick your call, like in real life, you can't. But if you could pick your call sign, what would it be? Uh, probably be Nikon. Uh, this goes back to uh, like my days. Like, uh, so big surprise i used to do online gaming like competitively like back in the day like go figure like freaking nerd like engineer that also does like fantasy football analysis like for fun and now it's for like a part-time job also used to do online gaming competitively for a number of years uh yeah i played games like uh still play like games like league of legends like every now and again but uh counter-strike like that was that was my game like from about Oh, shoot, man. From like 2004, 2005 to like maybe just short of like 2009, 10-ish or something like that. Uh, Like in a guild, like ran a guild, uh, like was doing it competitively, like didn't get paid for it. We never got to that point, but I was uh, did it enough that, of course, my uh, girlfriend and fiance and then wife at the time was like, you need to stop playing this game. Like this is just this is outrageous. Um, And I didn't listen. But uh that is, but my but my call sign well, not call sign but at least my handle there was uh, Lord Nikon uh, that comes from uh, there was actually a guy by the name of Nikon that played in the uh, in CGS uh, was it competitive gaming I forget whatever uh, he played for Optics Optics Gaming and his name was Nikon and everybody thought that I stole the name from him but no I took the name from uh, the only like black hacker like in the movie Hackers like for, like from back in like was it the early nineties with Angelina Jolie. Uh, yeah, so the only black guy that was in it that was cool was like his his name was Nikon, and so like I I took that I took that moniker and I used that like for pretty much all of my gaming handles throughout I don't know like most of my like twenties because I thought that was like really cool to jack a nickname from a like from movie most people like hadn't seen in like forever so yeah, 
But yeah, that would probably definitely be my my call sign. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite flavor of pie? So um, for anybody that doesn't know, my wife uh, runs a bakery and makes pies, specializes in pies, and she does an incredible job with them. Uh, weirdly enough, she has made my two least favorite pies become my favorite pies. You know, I was a very basic apple pie, uh, you know, blueberry pie. That's what I was into. And she told me, Hey, I'm going to try out this cherry pie recipe. I hated cherry pie. And I said, eh, whatever, you know, I'll try a bite. And it blew my mind. What she does is she uses sweet and sour cherries. And then she uses maraschino liqueur for the base. And oh, so good. So that that's one of my favorites. But the second favorite is a banana cream pie, which I hate cream pies. I, I don't need anyone clipping that out and using that, but <laughs> I couldn't stand banana cream pies my entire life. And then she makes this one where she does a Nilla wafer cookie crust across the bottom. So you get this thick cookie crust across the bottom. Um, then you get the cream pie and then the bananas and more wafers on top. And it is just incredibly good. So uh, banana cream pie and cherry gun to my head. Shoot me. Cause I can't choose between <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I, I had to put that in there because I, I wanted you to give a shout out uh, to to your wife with Appreciate her wonderful you. pie she puts out there. Now it's great. I, I'm always jealous when when I see all the amazing pictures. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're fantastic. And uh, let me tell you, I mean, she's she slowed down a little bit now, but when she was trying out new recipes, I put on about 20 pounds in like two months because she was just making a pie every single day. What do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? And what are you supposed to do? Like eat one slice of pie and throw the rest away? No, we would just like sit in front of TV and just eat an entire pie out of the tin. If you could spend the day with DeAndre Swift, <laughs> what would you, what would you guys do? Uh, man, that is that is the best question ever. That's that's how probably bad my Twitter is at this point. When someone's asking me what I would do with DeAndre Swift for a day, I love Swift. You know, got his jer- signed jersey in the in the room now. Finally, shout out to my dad. Thank you for that on Christmas. Um, but if I get a day with DeAndre Swift. I love ice cream. I think we definitely have to share like an ice cream sundae, preferably mint chocolate chip or peanut butter cup, as long as he's not allergic to peanut butter or something like that. You know, I think we'd have to, you know, play a little Madden, you know, have him tell me, you know, how many touches he thinks he's going to get, what their offense is going to look like, you know, for this year is Amon Ross St. Brown, the sleeper, you know, ask him some, some questions, but I'd also more than anything have to get him on the fresh fantasy podcast, you know, get to talk ball with him a little bit. And I think the final thing that I would have to do for, for my fans that I don't I really don't have or my followers on Twitter I have to take a picture with him and post it like I hope that someday I can meet him and take a picture with him just to like post on my Twitter or something like that that I finally got to meet him so I would I don't know like I, I don't care what it is like we could we could do knitting together for all that matters or we could watch white paint dry on a wall like I don't care what it is like it would be cool to hang out with Swift that's awesome that sounds like a fun day I like the ice cream idea yeah. and so uh, your podcast is named the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Uh-huh. So, what is the one hundred and one of vegetables? I would say, I would say probably corn because you can do so much with it. Because I love like Mexican street corn, or like when you put like like Cheeto dust on the corn with like butter all over it, like stuff like that. You know, corn on the cob. You know, corn can go with like almost any protein. Like, 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 like corn's just so diverse, but I love, I, I actually really like vegetables. Like I could also say green beans, like green beans and bacon, like one of my favorite things in the world, but corns has so many, so many purposes can do so many things. So that would be my 1.01 unpopular it adds, opinion. It adds value with the, the uh, position flexibility. Of course it's a, it's a flex play. It's not one dimensional at all. It's probably super flex. <laughs> you know, corn is corn is super flex. I mean, it's probably a, a dynasty thing. It's not going anywhere. It'll be around for a while. You know, and a lot of people can use it in a lot of different ways. Perfect. And creamy or crunchy peanut butter? Creamy, no question. 
All right. So I, I have to ask some of these questions because there's so much no, fake, fake Twitter drama about these kinds of things. So I like to kind of, you know, yeah. start some drama over. Some people get really passionate about the peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> here's another one to, to start more drama. Uh, does the toilet paper roll go over the top or under? Ooh, I've actually lived in places that have had both. So I actually don't really have a preference because my apartment, like the way my bathroom shaped is like, you really can't go under because like it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, one of those like little like dunce corners. Have you ever, you know what I mean? Like, like you sit in the corner cause you did something wrong in class. Like the toilet's like facing the wall and it's like a super tiny corner. So like there's no choice for it, but to go over. But at home, what I grew up on was under. So like, I'm going to give the, you know, politically correct answer here. And just say that I can go, I can go with either, but I would also say option C low key recommended. I had the, you know, I was grateful enough to go to Dubai, um, in Thailand, um, a couple of weeks ago, beyond grateful for the opportunity. It was so beyond amazing, but they have like these like little hoses, like, in, like similar to bidets, you know, that make cleaning, you know, cleaning everything a lot, a lot easier, you know? So those, those are underrated. That, that should be my answer. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great, uh, throw in there i know the fancy footballers are very pro bidet uh from yeah. their podcast yeah absolutely <laughs> as they should be so here's my last one it might be the toughest one if you could live in the fictional universe of any movie what would it be i would say okay because i'm obsessed i was a lifelong fan growing up and because i just finished the series like yesterday or two days ago i would say the star wars universe because i just finished obi-wan I probably spent like three hours yesterday watching like Hayden Christensen and uh, Ewan McGregor like interviews and like, you know, I was like listening to Duel of the Fates, which is like the greatest movie soundtrack of all time from the Phantom Menace. So like, just like because of that, I would say the Star Wars universe. And I'd love to like, you know, have a lightsaber. I think I'd be the worst fighter of all time. I probably wouldn't last five minutes and I'd be guaranteed to die. But like, you know, if, you know, if I could just like, you know, like rip some like Star Wars lines and like say like, you know, you were supposed to destroy this thing like not join them like stuff like that like that would be a dream come true is die hard a christmas movie of course it is this is not even a debate i don't know why people talk about it. it's like uh like yes i mean i mean yes it's about other things but it's it's a it's a christmas movie it's at christmas there are christmas themed things going on and uh and uh, so I think that's enough for me. And also, I like taking a hard stance on this because it really irritates people who don't think it is a Christmas movie. That's always a fun thing to do, right? Uh, try not to do that in too many aspects of life, but on something fun like a movie, it's really easy. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe it. He was the writer. If it was the writer, he even came out and said it is a Christmas movie. So I feel like that's pretty definitive. But I think so but, too. But but we love to stir up the controversy. So. Yippee ki yay! You can finish the rest. Uh, is a famous ca movie catchphrase. Uh, if you were in an action movie, what would your catchphrase be? Uh, probably the second half of that that you didn't say. Uh, yeah, does the uh, I, I am a capable swearer. Uh, I take great pride in it, uh, using often uh, expletives as punctuation or hyphens if at all possible. Uh, so, uh, maybe the second half of that, but also I, I think, you know, I go back to the old school, uh, an old school movie, uh, take a line from that is don't push me major, which is a line from, uh, the, the original dirty dozen. And, uh, I'm a pretty nice guy and I'm pretty easy going and, uh, really try to be as generous as I can until somebody like feel, you know, it's like you give someone enough rope and see if they hang themselves. And then when they do and they start pushing, I don't like to be pushed. Fair enough. So it sounds like your action movie will definitely be rated R. Uh, for language. totally yes yes okay. absolutely much like the breaks on my radio show 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, would you rather swing off a building with a hose to land on another floor or run around with bare feet on broken glass? Yeah, I'm totally swinging off the building with a Hana hose. I'm not running around on glass. It's, yeah, it's not, every time I watch that movie, I just think, God, that is like the worst thing ever. I would probably rather let go of that hose and take the deep big fall than run across the glass. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, either way, sounds sounds terrible. But neither yeah, the, the neither are great, but one of them. So yeah, well, like my I'm like 60 years old, so my feet are like one of the uh, most overly worked parts of my body, and I'm just thinking anything that adds a little stress to those. No, thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. And my last one for you: If you could have a giant stuffed animal, what animal would it be? Uh, it would be a cat uh, because I'm a big cat person, and I actually have one of those. It's a 30 pound cat, but it's a, like a real cat, and he's stuffed with cat. So that would be the that would be it. I, uh, I'm a big a uh, big cat fan, uh, and uh, have a very large cat who, if you're not careful, you might think is a stuffed toy because he's not really super active. He likes to lay <laughs> around a lot. He's old too. He's old and big. Do you mind sharing the story of uh, for everyone of how we met? Oh yeah. So um, what was it? Has it been two or three years now? Two seasons. Ago? Uh, was it I guess 2020 be, season? It was a 2020 season. Yeah. So about yeah. So um, we both are, I would say, avid listeners of the CBS Fantasy Football Today podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, it was coming up. It was my tenth year listening to that podcast. And um, they have the podcast league. And I wrote in to get a to get a spot. Wrote a love letter to Dave Richard. Hey Dave, if you're watching this, probably not though. You never watch my stuff. Um, and uh, they, I got to run a team with Dave. It was super fun. And then I believe you. Correct me if I'm wrong. You won the satellite uh, to get into the league. Yeah, the, the listeners only league in 2019. Yep. yep. And so that's how you got. And then I think the first time we corresponded was probably in the draft room chat. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And it was a fun draft. Like, <laughs> what'd you say? It was a fun draft. Yeah, I, I, I wish that I, um, I had the relationship I do now with Dave because I would have, I would have said a few things in the draft. But at any time he's like, "Should we take this guy?" I'm like, "Uh huh, uh huh." <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, you know, I think that's how we met, and then neither of us were in the industry at that time, and then, uh, from there, I, you know, two years later, here we both are. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I had to wear my my Scott Fishbowl uh, live draft shirt today because uh, now this is an evergreen show. Um, but before we recorded, it's now uh, two weeks ago. We got to draft live together in Orlando, so it was actually the first time we met in person. Um, but that was a really cool experience getting to meet so many people and and doing a Scott Fishbowl draft live. Absolutely, I think it was the first time I've cursed at you then because uh, you were sniping me quite a bit in that draft. <laughs> um, it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun experience. If anybody yeah. gets to do Scott Fishbowl live drafts next year, please do it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, It sounds like Scott's definitely doing live drafts again for Scott Fishbowl 13. So if you were able to take advantage of it and you're listening right now, one, sign up. You can't get in Scott Fishbowl 13 without signing up. It's open. And uh, <laughs> definitely try to do the live drafts once those get announced. Yeah. So the biggest thing you've got to do is don't be afraid to network with people. I, when I started actually getting out there, putting myself out there, talking to people, asking questions, getting to know people, interacting with people who I thought there's no way this person would talk to me, but all of a sudden here I am in a conversation with them. Um, networking, that's the biggest thing you can do. And put out as much content as you can. The more you write, the more you podcast, the more you do live streams, TikToks, whatever it is you want to do. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. The more polished you're going to get. 
when I started writing almost exactly two years ago for in between, I honestly don't think I'd written anything long form since my senior year of high school. I didn't take any journalism courses in college. I don't have a college degree. Like writing just wasn't a thing I did. And now here I am writing. Um, but the more I, the more I wrote, the better I got at it. If you have questions, don't be afraid to ask people, even someone you think would never talk to you because they will, they definitely will. Um, and do just don't be afraid to get out there and put out content on as many platforms as you can promote yourself too. That's a big thing that I didn't do at first. <clears throat> we all hate Facebook, but Share your work on Facebook, share your work on Instagram, share it with your friends, share it with your family, text your stuff, text a link to your stuff to your mom and your dad and your siblings and your cousins and your friends. Like they're not going to know you're doing it if you don't show it to them. And the more that's where you're going to get your initial traction is friends and family. You get them to read your stuff because they love you and they have to. Right. Um, <clears throat> but then that can grow because maybe they like it so much. They share it with their friends and then their friends share it with like their kids and their kids are like, Oh, I've been looking for something like this. I love it. I'm going to share it with my friends. And all of a sudden you're, you're building an audience and all you've done is share your work. And uh, I, that's good advice. And, and it's hard because there are a lot of times I'm like, <laughs> Like when I did my offensive line rankings, I shared them on Facebook, but I'm like, nobody cares. <laughs> my friends and family don't care about offensive line, anything. They're, they're not going to read it, but I shared it anyway. And it actually got some decent traction. Um, just because you think people might not like it. They probably, somebody's going to like it. Somebody's going to care about it. No, that's for, I definitely know that most of my friends and family on Facebook, when I post all of my, my content, Half of them, it's just a, it's a pity like, or maybe they looked at it. But you, like you said, you never know if someone's going to read right. it or they share it with somebody else. And all it takes is a few people to get invested in your work that you build that audience. Exactly. It's funny. Most of the people who like my stuff on Facebook now are people I met in the uh, fantasy Twitter community. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And then uh, you mentioned the beginning of your advice about networking. Uh, there's a lot of people that have, for lack of a better term, anxiety about reaching out to somebody doing that networking. Do you have any kind of advice on how to get over that, that fear? Just do it. I have, I'm the same way, man. Like I am not a super outward person. Um, when I walk into a room, like I'll make conversation with people cause I have to, but it's awkward for me and uncomfortable. Take a deep breath, write out what you want to say in like a Google doc before you send it to the person, make sure you put everything in there that you want and just send it. What's the worst that's going to happen is they don't read it. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to yell at you. They're probably just going to give you advice because we were all at that point. We were all starting out. Everybody in this industry from Matthew Barry all the way down to somebody who just wrote their first blog. We've all been in that position and it's hard. And like anybody can DM me and I will give you as much advice as you need. So I saw you were a ball girl for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, yes. Yeah. So what I was peaked. that like? Because that's, that's when really I peaked. Cool. I, I'll tell you. That's what I tell everyone. I peaked in high school. Uh, like some. No, I think I was even in grade school. I think. Oh, maybe. Um, no, it was the best job ever, though. Besides this job, of course, and my previous like other jobs, it was it was one of the best, though. I I'm I'm from Seattle. 
uh, just 15 minutes outside downtown and on the south end. And I, Seattle sports are my life. It's it's been a little bit difficult recently, but I absolutely love the Mariners. I love football to to say the least, but I love football a lot. But the Mariners hold some kind of special place in my heart. I don't know if it's because I like sadness and and pain because uh, that's all they've given me over my my lifetime. But um, the the ball girl job was so fun, right? I played softball growing up and and in high school, and I saw this. I think they I think they ran an ad right on my television on one of the TV commercial breaks during a Mariners game, and they were like looking for ball girl or something like that, like apply to be a ball girl. And I said, I want to do that. And then of course I procrastinated for like two months, right? You had to. It was very formal too. You had to write a cover letter. They had to select you. And so I remember the night that the application was due, I was like, mom, I have to do this. And she was, yeah. So we wrote this cover letter of why I think I could, could be one. Uh, and long story short, like they invited you in for an interview process. And during that time, you had to go take, like they made you gear up, uh, take your glove out there in the helmet and sit where you would be. So they made sure that you were actually capable of doing this. And that was before they had like the the nets go up on the side because a lot of people were getting hit, right? So that was our job was to try and make sure if you weren't paying attention that we saved your life, or at least tried to make sure you didn't get pelted with a ball. Um, so it was it was so fun though. So I got that job. They they interviewed me. They they loved that I was able to you know had good hand eye coordination too. And uh, I had that job I think for four years. So I just got to sit and watch some games and get paid to watch baseball. And it was, it was seriously one of the coolest, one of the coolest jobs I'll probably ever have. Uh, that sounds awesome. And I'm going to have two follow-up questions for that. I think yeah. they're obvious questions, but the first one, did you ever make any like highlight catches that could have been on sports center? I did. It wasn't, it wasn't on sports center, but I do remember they replayed one a lot and it was, it was, it was like it. I was on the third baseline and it was one of those diving kind of grabs where I, I went towards I went towards the crowd because it was it was a it was a line it was it was coming in hot and I don't know how I did it but they really like to replay that one a couple of times so I, I will say I did have some highlight level highlight level reels that didn't make Sports Center but I think they could have if I sent it to them. Perfect. And then I also have to ask, not not to make you look bad or anything, but were there any no. bloopers where you might have? accidentally touched a live ball by mistake oh my gosh no no because if we did the thing the thing that they always told us is like if it's if anything's close right just you had to pick up we had these stools and you had to pick up the stool and you just had to jump over jump over into the crowd because they 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 would escort you out if you touch just like just like fans like it's it's they i think they still escort you out so if there was anything close, I was just like, I was just ducking. I was getting over it. I was not even going to come close to touching it because I loved that job too much to, to be, to do the walk of shame out of the stadium and have to, and have to get, turn in my gear and everything. Oh, that's gonna be the worst walk of shame. <laughs> my gosh. Can you imagine? Because I can't go up. Like they, they take you out. At least you can go walk up the stairs. I'm like walking past the, I'm like walking past the visitors dugout or the Mariners dugout with my stool. Like they had to bring someone else out. That would have been tragic, tragic. I would have never, I would never have it in my Twitter bio if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad it was all highlights and no bloopers. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed all those highlights. Please, again, make sure you guys subscribe to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. Make sure you follow along on our podcast channel as well. It's the best way to support the team. And thanks again for listening. Good luck in the season.